Washington football. Woo! Everybody and welcome to the Burgundy Zone. I am your host Kyle, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, Michael Hall and Michael Reed. We are joined by a very special guest, Austin Gale, the Assistant Director of Content for Pro Football Focus. Thank you for joining us tonight, Austin. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Look, draft is draft time is here. It's come. It's coming up fast. Seven, Sixteen days away, Austin. Ooh. So my first question to you is. Washington had probably one of the better free agencies of around the NFL. Do you think that they kind of put themselves in a position where they are not desperate at any particular position heading into the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think they had one of the most you know improved off seasons according to PFF's free agency improvement index, and right behind the New England Patriots. I think a big part of that is obviously adding an upgrade at the quarterback position in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then you go out and add Curtis Samuel, go out and add William Jackson III. I think they made a lot of, you know, sage moves in range. I still think that you know, they're not desperate in any position, but until you can really get confident about them being competitive long-term, and when you think about the incentives or you know, what are your goals here to consistently compete for Super Bowls, to consistently compete for the crown in the NFC East, I still think they're looking for that long-term answer at quarterback. I would not be surprised yeah. if they're rumored or in the conversation to be looking to call the Atlanta Falcons at four, Cincinnati at five, Detroit at seven, looking to come up and grab a quarterback if one of these guys fall. And where betting markets see it right now, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, and then obviously a lean towards Mac Jones of Alabama going to the San Francisco 49ers at three. You won't see a trade until draft day because you don't know who the San Francisco 49ers are going to take. Right. But once you do see that trade happen or you do see that pick made, I think you're going to see a flurry of calls and Washington will be involved. Right, and uh, sticking with the draft, Every single year we see uh, a guy kind of slip down that you didn't see a slip down. We see a guy kind of rise up and get overdrafted. Uh, can you kind of give us kind of maybe who you think might slip and maybe who might rise come draft day? Yeah, I do think that the obvious slip candidate right now is Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech cornerback, who's actually on the Chris Collinsworth podcast today talking about his back injury and that recovery. I think he's had two back injuries or two back surgeries over the past two years. It'll be interesting to see – you know, how far teams, you know, slide him down boards. I think injury and availability, those are question marks that teams just don't like. There are teams that make question marks at injury, you know, at back specifically. You know, there's some rumors that it's closer to what Tony Romo had than what other back surgeries have been, which obviously would be a huge concern with Caleb Farley. He's also a guy that hasn't played a ton of cornerback. I mean, he has only yeah. played cornerback really for one or two years at Virginia Tech, had a fantastic season in 2019, played wide receiver in high school, then opted out of 2020 due to COVID-19 concerns. I think you'll see him slide a bit farther than maybe people think. I think another player is Gregory Rousseau, who just did not yeah. show up uh, as expected at his pro day. But he's pretty much Jadavion Clowney without any of the athleticism. Just long, <laughs> tall, and um, not the change of direction you want, not the bend you want. Obviously didn't play this past season, doesn't have a position really yet in the NFL. I'd be really concerned with Gregory Rousseau as a top 15, top 20 pick, especially when there are just better projects at the edge position to invest in. Azizo Jamari of Georgia, right. Jason Owe of Penn State, Quiddy Pay of Michigan, and even former Miami, Florida uh, edge defender Jalen Phillips, who Chris Collins was saying the best defensive player in the draft. I love that. Uh, okay. I definitely think he's really good. I think Jalen Phillips, you know, if, if the concussions weren't a concern, I really do think that you'd be talking about him as the best edge defender in this class. Best defensive right. player, probably tipping my cap to Patrick Sertan or Michael Parsons, but still, right. I do like Jalen Phillips a ton. His tape this past year, up there with Aziz Ogulari and obviously an insane athlete as well. I really like this edge class so much that I think you can see Rousseau fall a little bit as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I know a lot of teams would be thrilled if Caleb Farley fell to them, if he can stay healthy, especially. That dude is such a stud. So switching gears a little bit to, to the offensive side of the ball, this is a pretty deep offensive tackle class, uh, in my opinion. Uh, we know it's very top-heavy, but there's some guys that are not proven at all at left tackle. You know, you look at Jalen Mayfield, Tevin Jenkins, do you think that those guys have the ability and the athleticism to play left tackle in the NFL? And are they a possibility for Washington at 19 if, say, a Christian Darisol is not there? Yeah, I mean, I'm of the opinion that it's not always athleticism or ability that keeps a player who is dominant at right tackle in, in college football from moving to left. It's just, is right. he committed to flipping his technique? Can he flip his right. feet and flip his hands and with, with NFL coaching at the next level? I don't think it's necessarily anymore, at least. In the past, it used to be, your left tackle handled speed on the edge and was a better pass protector. Nowadays, they both better be pretty damn good. So you're right, going to need right, uh, yeah. both left and right tackles to be legitimate 
talents at the position. I think you could see Tevin Jenkins make the flip if that's what teams wanted to do. You could also you know, come in and start it right. It's not so much that if you play left tackle, you're more valuable in today's NFL. And PFF's actually done a handful of studies on that to why there's such a pay discrepancy between left and right tackles. It's kind of more traditional thought than actual on-field stuff. I think there's more opportunity too. And I'm glad you speak to the depth of this tackle class. Right now, you look at PFS draft board, eight offensive tackles rank inside the top 40 overall players. Right. Like that's how good this tackle class is. And if you look at last year's class, very top heavy as well, Mackay Becton, Justin yeah. Worse, Andrew Thomas, and then Jedrick Wills. But after that, it was a steep drop-off. It was a damn cliff last year. This year, it gives you reason to think the Cincinnati Bengals could pass on a tackle and go maybe chase or pits and then look at Leatherwood or Cosme or right. Dylan Radins in the second. It's that good of a tackle class. I think you'll also see some tackle guard converts. I know Dave yeah. Brugler of the Athletics sees Alex Leatherwood, despite the 35-inch arms, potentially kicking inside the guard at the next level, which will be interesting. I know Mel Kuyper sees Sam Cosme actually at guard and sees him as the number two guard in this class. So it'll be interesting to see how people see this offensive line class. I think talking to several of these guys, Leatherwood and Cosme included, they say every offensive line coach does the same thing. We want the best five on the football field. So you got to be able to play tackle left and right. You got to play both guard spots and hell even snap at a time. Right. Yeah. And you even look at the mid rounds, even a guy like Josh Ball from Marshall, super talented, just has a character concerns from early in his career. So yeah, the character concerns is the lightest way of That's putting a, that. You look yeah, deeper and right. those are gentle. Yeah, those are rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, a local guy around here, on John Kime from ESPN, on his podcast, he had said that Washington liked Kyle Trask. What is there to like about Kyle Trask if you are Washington? So I do think what you like is he played some good football this past year. You know, he played some really good football with Kadarius Stoney, Cal Pitts, a good offensive line. Stone Forsythe, I think, is an underrated offensive tackle in this yes. class as well that people aren't talking about at all. And, like, he played to the level of his supporting cast. And when he didn't have Kyle Pitts, we didn't have the supporting cast late in the season, you saw some picks, you saw some errant mistakes. I think there's a lot to work with in terms of a guy that's really improved over the course of his collegiate career at Florida, has not necessarily the same level of arm talent as the top four guys, but has put on some, you know, put, put on good tape. You know, we, when you look at the quarterback group, you, know, you look at tiers, looking for guys at tools with tools and traits that really transcend the position at the top. And then as you get to day two and day three, you're looking at guys who have worked the quarterback position well. It's the same reason that Davis Mills of Stanford is getting hyped. The guy has Matt Castle-like arm talent, but he operated a very good offense in Stanford, had the quickest time to throw on non-RPOs and screens of any quarterback in college football. And he hasn't played a lot. He doesn't have a lot of dropbacks, close to Trey Lance in that regard. But when you see guys that can go in and operate an offense, you're going you're gonna to see teams jump at that. And Davis Mills – Former five-star Kyle Trask yep. played some good football in Florida. I was talking to Bruce Gradkowski today, former NFL quarterback and PFF analyst here. And he says so many times you find quarterback coaches, offensive, co- offensive coaches, offensive coordinators take to the guys that can execute you know, a simple spot concept, take to the guys that can operate a slant flat, can get the ball out quickly, and actually can understand an offense. That's Trask. That's Davis Mills. That's obviously Mac Jones. You're going to see teams kind of jump at that, even though the trend – is these guys that have these off-platform throws that can do these Mahomes-like, Aaron Rodgers-like things. That's where you're going to see guys go early. Right. And, um, <clears throat> I was kind of a big trial ca- Kyle Trask guy going into the season. I know the mobility thing is kind of a concern, but I definitely think that he's a timing guy with the right weapons around. He can definitely get it done in the NFL. Another guy that was getting a lot of buzz going into the Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl week, and then his pro day was Kellen Mond. I know the buzz. I haven't heard a lot of buzz around him uh, recently, but do you think he's a guy that could definitely get the buzz back up and rise in the draft, or do you see him as a kind of a project kind of later around day three type of guy? I, I don't think he'll make it to day three. I think he will ultimately make it to day two. I think the thing with, you know, with steals or guys that fall, it's harder to fall because all it takes is one. Well, as guys obviously taking up, you know, guys who become reaches that all it takes is one as well. But I do think that Kellen Mond, you know, the right guys are hyping him up. I know Sam Monson here at PFF holds him in high regard, sees him as a day two player. Chris Sims of NBC yeah. obviously stuck his neck out there and said, Kellen Mond up there, top four quarterback in this class. And I do think that there are some tools there. Would you have liked to see him play better football at Texas A&M? Yes. I mean, with Jimbo Fisher, you expected him to take a Kyle Trask, Zach Wilson-like leap. You know, it's yeah. Matt Jones-like leap. He, for the supporting cast there at Texas A&M, though, I mean, they haven't had a lot of first-round receivers or even day two, day one, day two receivers in quite some time, probably since, you know, Mike Evans and Johnny Manziel are out there ripping it up. So I do think that the supporting cast wasn't good. Coaching staff was good. He played better football at Texas A&M. I still think we'd like to see him 
go with a coach that believes in him and can coach him up, not necessarily give him the pressure of a first-round pick. I think he ultimately comes off the board in either round two, round three. Yeah, his right. best wide receiver was a running back that I saw. Weidermeyer is a very good – the tight end, he's somebody who in 2022 could come out. He should be a stud. But other than that, he doesn't – that anybody. He's young. So, looking forward, looking ahead, let's use our crystal ball a little bit. Let's say Washington does not go quarterback this year. Let's look at next year's quarterback class. I've been getting kind of bored with this quarterback class. I've looked in a little bit. <laughs> so between Sam Howe, Spencer Rattler, and my personal man crush right now, Desmond Ritter, who do you think is the best of those three? And how would you kind of break any of those guys down? And why do you like them? Yeah, I mean, Spencer Rattler, I think, is the favorite right now for good yeah. reason to be Arm the number one overall incredible. pick. I mean, and yeah, he's got he – can, he can make all the throws. He's the classic yeah. cliche. You look at the number right. one quarterback rated – on tight window throws, so firing the ball in yeah. there, throwing it, you know, there's different levels of arm talent. There's throwing it 80 yards down the football field, and it's throwing it through a wall. He has that throw it through a wall type of arm talent. You see that in those tight window throws and that grading he did have. Does he make some bad decisions? Absolutely. He's kind of like Mahomes in that way. You go back to his Texas Tech days, that guy was throwing turnover when he plays left and right because he's confident and he has that superhero-like arm talent. So I do think Rattler, if you're not picking in the top three, it's going to be very difficult to get your hand on Spencer Rattler. I think after that, my favorite guys are Sam Howell, yep. UNC. I think the Liberty quarterback. I think Malik Willis. Yeah, Malik is Willis name. is. A, yeah, that guy. He's that guy has an absolute mm-hmm. pose. He can yep. put it on. I think um, Carson Strong of Nevada is obviously yep. drawing some interest. Um, all guys they probably put ahead of Ritter right now, to be honest. I think okay. Ritter. Yeah. There's a lot of hype around him. I mean, PFS out here based in Cincinnati. I've talked to a lot of beat writers and coaches that work, you know, with the University of Cincinnati. The arm is there on vertical lead throws. I think he has similar arm talent to maybe like a Jamie Newman of Wake Forest, where like he can put it down the football field, but you don't see him, you know, really light it up. You don't really see the lightning off off the ball um, when he's coming out like that. So I do think Desmond Ritter wants to see him run the football a little bit more in UC's offense. He's got to play better football. You got to be the best quarterback in the American Athletic Conference if you want to be considered a top three quarterback next year. He needs to have a Zach Wilson like season in a lower conference for me to consider that. And then I think the other name to consider is Keaton Slovis of USC, yeah. who, man, talk about some boneheaded plays. You'll see some tape, <laughs> and You'll see some throws, and you're like, dude, I wouldn't take this guy in any round. There are right. some interceptions on his tape that are disgusting. But right. you go back to his 2019 campaign, you know, one of the highest grade you know, quarterbacks in the NFL, got a roller coaster vibe to him, which right. obviously probably won't make him the number one overall pick. Could obviously improve in 2020, but right now it's Rattler and everybody else. Yeah. And today, the Washington football team signed a tight end from a Chilean, uh, from Chile, and he, he's a baller. Obviously, we've seen the workout numbers. Pete Hayner, the tight ends coach for Washington, is one of the most respected tight end coaches in the NFL. Do you think that they could possibly develop him into a starting tight end someday? Man, it's hard to say. I haven't watched any tape of that kid. I mean, obviously, he's kind of like this workout free. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, I, I think you saw some athletic comparisons to Vernon Davis. I, yeah. I do think the tight end position is one of the harder positions to play in the NFL from a technique standpoint because it's one of the few positions where you're asked to do so much. You know, pass protect, right. run block, work from the inline, work from slot, work from the outside to learn the game and play at the level that other starting tight ends do. It's tough, but I will say it's a position where right now it lacks that game-changing game you know game changing talent at the top end after Travis Kelsey, George Kittle and Darren Waller and soon to be Kyle Pitts there isn't a guy that legitimately calls for defensive coordinators to game plan against them you could throw maybe Mark Andrews in there Evan Ingram potentially Zach Ertz in his prime Dallas Goddard but you're not really necessarily highlighting tight ends for offenses after the big three that legitimately change the game. I don't I think the biggest reason for that is you just don't have dynamism at the position. You know TJ Hawkinson's a former top 10 pick but doesn't compare at all to those other guys as athletes. Right. And you see that with his production. So trying to get more athletic at every single position on the football field is where the NFL is going. People, you know, offenses want to get faster. Offenses want to get more dynamic and scheme ways to get the ball into these guys' hands. So I do think that that's the move with him. It's a crapshoot right now, whether or not he'll develop into that piece though. Yeah. And sticking with the tight ends, uh, it's been put out there that Washington wants to get another tight end to pair with Logan Thomas, a guy that's more athletic and kind of stretch the field vertically. So who are some guys that are uh, outside of Kyle Pitts, obviously? Who are some guys in the tight end, this tight end draft that maybe Washington should be looking for maybe the second or fourth round? Yeah, it's not my favorite tight end class. I don't I don't think we've seen a really good tight end class in quite some time, and that's yeah. evident with, like, what I just said. You know, there's yeah. just not a lot of good tight ends in the NFL. I do think that after Kyle Pitts, the number two tight end on PFF's board is Pat Fryermuth. I think he compliments the Penn State kid, compliments what Logan Thomas brings to the table. They're both big as hell, like big dudes that can play tight end and – um, you run if you want to run 12 personnel, you know, 
he's a really good blocker. You know, you know, he's gotten baby Rob Gronkowski comparisons for good reason. Really good blocker coming out of Penn State. Lowers his shoulder. You know, guards after the catch is more of a bully-like mentality than making people miss. But that's also how it works in the NFL. Not a guy I would necessarily take maybe until the bottom of the second round, top of the third round, when considering right. positional value. But still, that's a name to think about. And then the other names as well are probably Brevin Jordan of Miami, who I see very similar to Gerald Everett, you know, the former South Alabama mm-hmm. tight end. That I think um, mm-hmm. uh, was playing for Los Angeles. I can't remember where he signed this offseason. Seattle? Yeah, yeah Seattle. Seattle. That's right. right. So G- Gerald Everett, I think, is Brevin Jordan's in a Gerald Everett mold. If you want right. to use your tight ends like that, I think that's an option. And then the other guy to keep an eye out for is Tommy Tremble, North, yep, North, Notre Dame tight end, mm-hmm. who like, probably could play fullback at the next level. Yep, I mean, yeah. he's going to be an interesting guy because his blocking tape is freaking insane. And Dude, then you I, add I in watched that, his film you know, today. It was beautiful. Yeah, he's good. I, I think Tommy yeah. Tremble is probably going to go in like the third round, the same range as um, yeah. Josiah Gore of UC, uh, University of Cincinnati. He went Green Bay, I think, in the third round yeah. last year. Right. Yeah, so I know we don't have you for too much longer. This one you don't have to really elaborate too, too much on, but who is the best free safety in this class? Oh, it's Trayvon Morg. Trayvon okay. Morg of TCU, Outside, I think, is... Outside of Trayvon Morgan, I should have elaborated <laughs> on that one a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Trayvon Morgan, I think right now, is the only the only safety in this class with a first-round grade. I think yeah. after that, you're probably leaning Jamar Johnson, the, yep. uh, the Indiana. Indiana safety, who um, I still think you want to see a lot more. I, he's more, you go after – the reason Trayvon Morgan is kind of firmly by himself is that after him, the other free safety prospects in this class are absolute roller coasters. Andre Sisco right. – Jamar Johnson, those are two guys that I like, but like I know we're going to give up big plays. You know, Jamar Johnson right. needs to get so much better as a tackler. Andre Sisco has some Jonathan Abrams to his game a little bit, and that he's willing to right. kind of like take risks where he shouldn't. And I think again, free safety is just a position because you really see free safeties really stand out in year one. I think it's rare to see an Antoine Winfield Jr. And be- right. because he had so much success, I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr. is a, obviously a former player's son. Like, yeah. you need to be a legit student of the game, have legit insane football IQ to go in and play free safety and not give up a ton of bleak plays and not have a ton of mistakes. So I do think after Trayvon Morig, you're developing guys at free safety more than you are coming in with plug-and-play starters. All right, and to finish this up, Austin, I appreciate your time. My last question for you realistic pick for Washington at 19. Let's say Darisaw is there. Let's say Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa is there. What are you doing at 19 for the Washington football team? My guilty pleasure pick for the Washington football team of late has been uh, Micah Parsons. If he does fall that yes. well, I do think that yes. would be oh my that God. would be absolutely insane what they did for the front seven. Yeah. I think after that, I like Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa as an option linebacker and then Darisaw. I mean, if I had to pick between Darisaw and Moa, I'd probably lean Darisaw just purely from a positional value perspective. You're getting a more valuable, a more market valuable player mm-hmm. at tackle than you are at linebacker. But I do think, again, the guilty pleasure pick is linebacker because that mm-hmm. front seven is obviously a strength. You strengthen a strength and kind of solidify this spot in the top 10 or top five even as a defense in the NFL. It allows you to, if Ryan Fitzpatrick can put together that high side of errands, be that high end roller coaster that he's been. I mean, it's a team that can win 10, 11 games next year. Will they win the Super Bowl? Hard to say. But I do think that it can be a very fun, competitive team if that defense avoids injury regression and can actually be a top five unit next year. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Austin. Um, If you can, plug your uh, Twitter handle in and your two podcasts that you host. Yeah, I'm on the uh, 2 for one Drafts podcast. That's one I do with Mike Renner. I also do some stuff with the Daily Betting podcast, among other video work and podcast work at PFF. You can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale, G-A-Y-L-E. And then I encourage everyone to go to PFF.com, man. We're yes. doing a lot of really good content Always. there and um, talking Always. about the draft all throughout. Yeah, yeah, throughout the season, I go to I rely on you guys Always. for a week-to-week basis to be able oh, to yeah. oh, figure yeah. out who we're matching up against and everything. I really appreciate you taking the time out, Austin. You're a very busy man. I hope you have a great night. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Yeah. Of course. Thank you. Have Appreciate a good one, Austin. All right, everybody. We just talked talk to Austin Gale. That was a great time. So, such good in-depth answers. Love PFF, Dude, man. I, love, I know. Just, I know. They just PFF know just everything. Gets it, bro. I know. <laughs> they're, just so, they're just right on the ball about everything. All him, Nick Ackridge, like, they're just so smart. Such smart oh, guys. Fantastic. And getting Nick Ackridge <laughs> to be their Washington – uh, based guy from PFF. That was perfect. I, you know, we love Nick. He's a huge fan of the pod. Um, now, today, Washington, we already briefed on one of them, uh, Samus Reyes, the tight end prospect. But Washington also signed Bo Benchawal, uh, who is a center kind of guard. He was with the Texans, only 25 years old. Um, looking at his draft 
kind of overview of when he came out from two years ago. He's a tall pass blocker, but he lacks strength, and he needs to get better at run blocking. So if you're looking at an interior offensive line, somebody that can hey. come in, good, but it doesn't really mesh, you know, because they also right. re-signed Taylor Larson. So you don't really know That's, what's going on with that. You know, I think a lot of it also, is if he's a center slash guard, they have to not be impressed whatsoever with Wes Martin. I mean, yeah. that's got to be, I think, dude, they're kind of bringing in competition for it. Like, all right, dude, you do something or you're gone. Yeah, I think this yeah. is just a camp body, somebody they can bring in. Just, you know, they're bulking up and all the assets. Like I said, the first question to Austin, you know, trying to make sure they're not desperate in any area and they're doing a good job solidifying themselves with some proven professionals. Now, let's go on to our fan questions. And we'll start some with good no- ones. Start, start with none other than the Colonel. Before we get into our mock draft 2.0. That is coming, everybody. I promise. But to start it off, the Colonel says, who the hell is Samus Reyes? And does this mean we're not going to have a tight end, a top priority in the draft hall? Um, Trust me, I had the same, same reaction as you. <laughs> who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. And then I saw his workout, and I was like, what the hell is that guy? That guy's a freak. <laughs> what is that guy? <laughs> no, nah, but uh, I definitely think tight end is going to be a priority. Obviously, with him coming from the international, like, players uh, – was it the IPP International? It's the Pathway Program. Pathway, yeah. Pathway Program. That's what it is. International Pathway Program. He's never played football a day in his life, like obviously, like uh, organized wise. And he's a former basketball player from Tulane in college. He actually played at a pretty high level, actually. But uh, and Loyola too. He finished. Yeah, and Loyola. He was a junior uh, junior college transfer to uh, Tulane. Played some D one ball baller. Uh, I definitely think he's a project though. Like I said, he hasn't played football ever in his life, so. With our tight end coach, I definitely think they can maybe work with him, maybe mold him. They're probably going to stash him on the practice squad and kind of develop him throughout the year. And hey, if he makes the roster and gets on the team and contributes, I'm all for it. But I just think, like I said, it's a project, and they're still going to address tight end somewhere between third to, yeah. I'd say, fifth round. Yeah, I totally agree. I do think that tight end is a priority. Not a priority, I'll say, Colonel. And the reason I say that is, is because, like we talked about with Austin, they've kind of put themselves in a position where they're not desperate in any area. So what they can do is they can literally be best player available. They've put themselves in a position to where they can draft at any position without it being a huge discrepancy or an issue. You know, And I think that's really smart by them. He's only 25 years old, 6'5", 260 pounds, a 4'6", 5'40", 31 bench reps of 225, a 40-inch vertical, and a 10-foot broad jump. That is explosive. It obviously just a workout warrior. I saw um, uh, our future guest that's going to be coming on here said, you know, you get the uh, Landry, uh, Laron Landry kind of symptom back, <laughs> seeing all the workout warriors. But the one thing that coaches are looking at this with, you know, when they see college prospects and they let's say the guy's only been playing football for about two or three years, they view that as a plus rather than a negative. That means that they're raw. They can develop. They can get better. This isn't somebody that's been playing football since they were five or six, and they already kind of have you know the, the wall built in their mind. Bad fundamentals. Right, and, right. and everything. So with him, it, him being in, incredibly raw is nothing but great things for Pete Hainer. He can mold him exactly what he wants, and I think you were spot on, Hall. I think this is the third tight end spot is what they're solidifying, and they are going to get that second tight end in the draft, and the reason why they went and got – Samus Reyes is so they can develop him as that third guy who can step in on special teams, obviously work out warrior. So I absolutely love that. Yeah. I think that they see him. He's clearly a developmental guy. Like you said, you can't expect anything from him this year, probably not even next year. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's going to take some time. People need to pump the brakes on that. He's going to end up starting. He's going to, he's going to be the next Jimmy Graham. He's going to be on like those guys played college ball. Yes. They were basketball players. That was Antonio Gates, but they, they still played some college ball. So they had some experience under the belt, but he's just a freak of nature. Like we said, yeah. his RAS score would have been 1%. One of the greatest, if these were his combine numbers, they would have been the greatest for tight end ever. Him and Vernon Davis would have been like neck and neck. Yeah, He got I mean, a 10, two, the 10 RAS score, which is relative athlete score, which is like they pay, they put up with his bench numbers, his workout numbers based on so, like three cone right. shuttle, all that. And they put it up with mathematics He's and it comes being, out to better than Kyle Pitts. Right. Being, being six, six, having a wingspan, being a former basketball player, two sixty, being able to run a four, six, four. And then on top of that, having a 40 inch vertical, the closest that I saw, I went back five years just to see whose numbers could you, I could kind of compare them to uh, Noah Font had a 39 and a half inch vertical. He's not two sixty. He's not six, six. He doesn't yeah. have that wingspan. Um, but then the 31 bench press reps, I, I went back five years to the combine just to see, I, 
next closest I could see was 24. He had 31 with that wingspan. That's harder to get it up. That's incredible. The guy's just a freak of nature. If they can mold him, fantastic. But pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, and it was like it brings back you know and um Antonio Gates, you know right. that mm-hmm. kind of guy having the basketball background yep. really helps with receiving, and obviously mm-hmm. that is a huge plus hey, for this coach. Just throw team. it, throw it up to him in the red zone. I don't yeah. care. Keep him on the team. Exactly. Throw it up to him in the. Nobody's getting a jump all over this guy. Like I Nobody said, in the guys, NFL. Like I said, you guys earlier, it it almost seems like Samus Reyes is like a Logan Thomas clone, yeah. but more raw and more athletic, and that's what right. I think really spoke to Washington. And I also heard something that he was actually working out in the area with somebody a coach uh so that's how washington was able to have the leg up and get being able to sign him which is obviously perfect and they cut thaddeus moss so i mean they they must have something in mind imagine him in the red zone just running a stick route that's what i'm saying i mean any any everybody just it's literally getting it's literally getting a rebound but yeah Yeah, that's what you got to do and he's going to go out there nobody's going to jump all over him nobody (laughs) if if he can catch he's got to learn how to catch run routes block it's a long road, but right. And Colonel's second question, we're going to answer this one quickly. Have you ever considered a different schedule? There's a, it's a long time between Thursday and Tuesday for a starving fan. And, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll say this, Colonel, like we've been staying this way for about a year or so. Um, the reason for that is because we do Tuesday, Thursday, and then we would have the recaps of the games on Sundays. And so that's how it would kind of bridge. And obviously during the off season, that's harder to do, but unfortunately like, Hey man, we're up. We're up for suggestions. You know, if you want us to go different days, let us know. Send us in yeah. uh, what options you think would be smart. And uh, we'd, lo- we'd love to hear those. Now, let's move on to Tony Shiver's question. I love this one. With the recent hits, like McLaurin and Gibson in the third round, who are some prospects you guys are keeping an eye on this year with those third-round picks? Hall. Oh, man. Uh, you go first, Reed. I got to – Okay. I mean, there's a few guys out there – Um. Obviously, if you want to look at a linebacker, let's say, okay, there's a Pete Werner, Baron Browning. Uh, those are guys. And then I'll just throw one more out so I don't take everybody. A left tackle that could fall if you don't take one early, who's somebody who has fantastic talent, should be a first-round pick if he played football in the last two years, and that's Walker Little from Stanford. Walker mm-hmm. Little was a top recruit. He was fantastic at Stanford. He, of course, missed. He played, got injured the first game of 2019, sat out last season, but he says he's learning every position on the offensive line for versatility. Um, he's talented enough to be a first-round pick. It just ha- He hasn't played in two years, so there's not much tape on him right now. So he's somebody who, if he falls and you could get him, you, and he can stay healthy. He's totally somebody who could start for you. Yeah, in that third round, I'm I'm looking at you know like Chad Surratt, uh, the linebacker from North Carolina. Uh, I love a former, Chad Surratt, a former quarterback. He is fast, and when you're talking about the middle linebacker position, that Mike linebacker position needs to be able to somebody that can call plays, kind of have that chess match with quarterbacks and countering what they're trying to do. And obviously, Chaz being a former. Uh, Quarterback, quarterback himself it's going to be kind of easier for him to transition because he knows what quarterbacks are wanting to do also he is fast good tackler and he i would love to see him added to this obviously we just heard austin talk about tommy tremble watched yeah. his film again today and i cannot tell you how much fun when i talked about tevin jenkins you know having that kind of uh being ferocious and being violent at the point of attack off the line of scrimmage that's tommy tremble at tight end dude they used right. him at fullback they used him in the backfield they used him as a second uh tight end off of the left tackle or right tackle as an edge rusher use him in pooling there's many different ways you can use Tommy Tremble, and I would absolutely love to bring him in here because, like we've said, we need to get the ball rolling. We need to run the ball well this year. That needs to be a point of emphasis, and adding Tommy Tremble to that mix would certainly do that. What about you, Hall? Yeah. What are two prospects you're eyeing? Yeah, um, I'll just keep it quick or short. Um, it's obviously a really, really, really deep wide receiver drive deeper than last year, so uh, definitely a guy to keep your eye on. I think he's going to be a second-round pick, like a mid to high second-round pick, but – Nico Collins might somehow slip into the third round yep. with yeah. Again, I've seen many, plenty of mocks with him in third. Yeah, yeah. it'd be such a deep draft. You know, he might slip down to the third mm-hmm. round. Another guy is Amonse Ra, who just is a physical physical freak. That's Reed's um, guy. Amon or St. Brown. What did I say? St. Ra. Amon St. Ra. <laughs> I like that name better though. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tighter name anyway. Amon St. Ra. It rolls off the tongue way better. It does. It's way better. And uh, another guy to look out for is. A guy like uh, oh Sean Wade, yeah Sean Wade. That's a guy that uh, is kind of projected as a, a late day one guy, yep. early day two, but had a, his his play kind of fell off this year. Dude, if I was watch- seeing him mocked in like at for the I know Draft Network isn't the best and most spot on, but they dude they have him dropping to like the fourth or fifth. 
dude, yeah, no. It's before if the you season, watch that, was, if you watch that, uh, first round pick, yeah, he was a first round pick. Round pick yeah. But if you watch him throughout the year, if you watch that Clemson game oh. where he was going against legit like potential NFL wide receivers, he was getting worked. So I think yeah. that kind of messes like draft stock up. But again, if he can kind of get his bearings back and live up to the potential as a guy that can be a steal in the third round, so those are a couple guys to look out for. Yeah. Yeah, the one I think the one game I think it was against Notre Dame, Ohio State had, and Sean Wade just got destroyed. I mean, he was just moved all over. Yep. Now our next question is from Mark Baxter. He wants to know our thoughts on Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver from LSU, as a trade down target in either the early second or maybe late or early or late first read. Um, I'm somebody who like I know we've talked about this. I still think that we should get another if we could get another wide receiver, I'd be okay with it. Like a bigger guy, just because uh I mean, obviously we signed Adam Humphreys after I said that, so that kind of probably eliminates some of it. But he, I, I think that it would be perfect to have a bigger wide receiver. Somebody like Terrace Marshall would be perfect, uh, in my opinion. I just think that there's more we have more needs right now after we address it with Adam Humphreys. But second round, take a flyer on. I'm okay with that. I don't he, know about trading up necessarily. No, no, yeah, he's not saying trading up. He's saying like okay, with the okay. trade. Well, back. then, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the second round, I would, yeah, I would take Terrace Marshall. Yeah, all the playmakers you can get. Yeah, I really liked Terrace Marshall's um, film. You know, I've been, yeah. <laughs> I've been undercover, you know, talking all this crap about Rashad Bateman saying Terrace Marshall's <laughs> better. And I, I truly believe that. I, and I think that he is a perfect Z for this kind of offense, adding, yeah. you know, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin with Adam Humphreys, the smaller type of guys, you know, obviously Terry Kim get vertical, but Terrace Marshall is a straight line runner, dude. This guy right. can get down the field. He's big. He can catch the ball hot and athletic. high point the football. Very athletic. He would be the perfect complement to this offense, per, exactly. in my personal opinion. Now, in my, I did a mock draft yesterday, and I had Nico Collins in the third round with the first selection in the third Maybe round. Perfect, too. Because as a ZY receiver, that kind of big frame that they're looking for, you know, I've been looking back to Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches that they drafted down in Carolina when Ron Rivera was there, kind of have that same mold. I, would, I could definitely see Terrace Marshall added here. I just – it just sucks where they are because I know that if they trade back, it's not going to be for a wide receiver. They're not going to trade up for a wide receiver. They're kind of in that in that no man's land where it's not going to happen. But I would absolutely love to see Terrace Marshall in the burgundy and gold. Yeah, same with me. Um, I did the the uh, the player breakdown on him back when we were doing our draft prospect breakdowns. Love Terrence Marshall. Love his tape at LSU. I definitely think that he was a potential option had we not gone out and got Adam Humphreys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's obviously, everyone was talking about Nikhil Harry possibly getting traded here. Mm -hmm. Put him in a perfect fit, like Reed said, the Z position. Kind of that Ron Rivera. He loves those big body guys like Devin Funches, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, who got even bigger once he came to Carolina. Um, <laughs> He's the Eddie Lacy of wide receivers. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Calvin, Calvin Cheeseburger. Oh, poor Calvin. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think that uh, wide receiver got kind of pushed down the list of priorities once they brought in Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys. So uh, I do see them getting kind of a big body type of guy to maybe uh, develop into that Z role opposite Terry, but I don't see them drafting Terrence Marshall in the second round or trading back or any type of that. But again, so when I just shouted out, Nico Collins in the third round would yep. be a perfect Z. And that, that's what I was saying. Like before the Adam Humphrey signings, I would have said, yes, so they're going to add another wide receiver. But then that kind of made it less of a need. You can get away with what you have. So, right. right. And our next question is from Sean, a Florida Skins fan. Really hey, good Sean. fan of the pod. He wants to know why do so many people put stock in pro days and combine results over actual game footage hall? I don't know, honestly. Um, <laughs> look, I've always like been like the uh kind of the take the position of I've always been a good guy that like the eyes, I like I like the eye, like the eye test. If you pass the eye test, in my in my opinion, then you're good. And then if you got the workout warrior kind of combine uh stuff to go on top that's kind of the cherry on top that kind of equals like okay what i saw on film kind of equals to his workout stuff and how he grades out at the combine so that could be that's how i feel i just i'm a i'm a big eyes guy over the numbers and the statistics stuff like that so i'm 100 percent with you and that's where i that's how i feel i would rather go by film and i always go back to what scott McLuhan said look say whatever you want about scott McLuhan. But the dude got paid by the NFL. He did a pretty good job. But he was, always said the combine, the stats, those type of stuff, that's the cherry on top. That's not the Sunday. The film is the Sunday, and that's right. how I kind of feel about it. Um, you know, it, it should be the cherry on top. It should be something that's added to it. Now, a lot of the times, they'll use the combine results as like a 
as an added plus as to say, oh, yeah, this is indicative of what you've seen. But we all saw the Raiders trade Dar- uh, take Darius Hayward Bay in the top 10 over Michael Crabtree back in the day, right? And how did that work out for them? Right. It didn't. And that's why it yeah. goes to your point, Sean, that really the stats and the combine results, it should be taken with a huge grain of salt. Right. Yeah, and I'm right on bar with you guys, uh, more tape. But I will say we all are guilty of every once in a while, not just us three, I'm talking about everybody, yeah. of getting sucked into the combine and oh, seeing yeah. like numbers oh, yeah. somebody put up and be like, oh, that guy's a persona. But a lot of it, like, you shouldn't really put too much weight into it unless it's like these two guys are neck and neck. Like J.C. Horn and Patrick right. Sertain, they're right there, they're right there. Who had a better or who had a better combine? Okay, well, maybe he gets leg up. Maybe he's – but, yeah, I mean, you see people all the time. I remember back uh, Bruce Campbell, the offensive tackle for Maryland, when he was coming out, he put up an incredible combine. I was like, we need a left tackle. We need to draft him. Hmm. Chris Samuels was getting old. He, we didn't. We passed him up. I was so pissed at first. He ended up going to the Raiders later on in the draft, and he was terrible. He was horrible. And, but he had, speaking of, it happens speaking all of the time. Campbell, all the time. He just, he just went viral for getting knocked. That wasn't, that wasn't him. Yeah. That wasn't him. It looked like him. They thought oh, it was. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 uh, I was going to say, that, that was, was so happy. That's what, that's what reminded me of him was that video. And I was like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I was like, yo, that is embarrassing, yeah. though. You yeah. got knocked out by average Joe Schmo in Walmart. Yeah, just nobody. Yeah. All right. To finish up our fan questions. Let's go with our favorite orange crush. He said, "With drafting a when you're, let's say you're drafting a linebacker, what is your go-to number one stat or attribute that you're looking for?" Reed. Oh, that depends. I mean, it really depends on what kind. Of, if we're talking about Washington right now, they could use a few things. I think that they're comfortable with John Bostic at the mic. He's just um, saying you. Let's say you you are a GM and you're looking to add a linebacker. Any I mean, of the it, linebackers. What it, what is an attribute that you're looking for? Versatility. Uh, um, I I think just versatility. Like somebody like Micah Parsons, you could play all three positions. Same with Zayvon Collins. They could he can play all three positions if you want him to. I, I think all three. Mike, Sam, and the Will. Um, so really the versatility and just the ability. But what I really like is a. Of course, everybody likes a hard nosed middle linebacker a throwback guy, but I really like the, these new age weak side linebackers, these wills that are just flying all around all over the place and can just make plays. They can cover they, they, So I, I think that that's kind of the direction that the NFL is going as we've seen. Yeah. Now for me personally, if I'm looking at linebacker, I'm looking at somebody that can fill that gap that, you know, they go into the hole. That's an open hole. It's between them and the running back and they are putting the hat on the hat. They are put bringing them down in the hole before they get any yardage. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the guy that has a nose for the football, that can read it, that can move across the line of scrimmage, be able to come off of blocks. You know, let's say they pull somebody. Here comes linebacker coming around and meet the pulling guard to stop that uh, gap. That's what I love, and that's what I'm looking for at a linebacker. If you can do that, that's what I'm all about, baby. Yeah, um, definitely the same way. A linebacker that has a nose for the ball, yeah. has great instincts, um, his great, like, cerebral, like, pre-snap kind of uh, – uh, attributes like kind of like a Luke Keekley type. Obviously, right. there's only like Smart a couple of Luke, yeah, only a couple of Luke Keekleys, Brian Erlacher types in the NFL history. But those type of like mold guys where very smart up top and it translates physically, can fill the gap, has a nose for the ball, um, can run side out of sideline, can play coverage also. So those are what I'm looking for, like kind of like Levante David type. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we can all admit that we all want. That, that Ray Lewis, that old yeah. school Dick Butkus, that hard ass middle linebacker, the London Fletcher type who's just yeah. you know, going to always be around the ball, going to get everybody yeah. in position, just going to lay some wood and just going to do his job and be consistent and not miss a game. If you're about the old school Steelers playing, practicing on asphalt or not asphalt on, on like gravel and stuff, yeah. like come on, like that's just those are men. Nobody <laughs> does that these days. Now, Orange Crush's second question. Let's do this one quickly. What is unique about the Sam, Mike, or Jack linebacker? As in, what's good about each of them? And I'll start with you, Reed. If you just want to use one, yeah. uh, I'll just go with the the Will. Will's usually somebody who who they use a lot in coverage and who they like yeah. kind of roam a little bit. He, he's on the weak side, lined up away from the tight end usually. So I, that's so it's a Will. Yeah, and the Mike linebacker is usually the middle linebacker, the gen- the field general on defense, calling out the plays, calling out uh, what the offense is doing. Um, and also the QB spy and stops the seam route. You know, that kind of I've talked about it with Zayvon Collins being that Tampa 2 linebacker deep deep field, uh, kind of being between the safeties and being the guard there. That's what the middle linebacker is for, um, and especially. Yeah, and the Jack, uh, two different things. In the 3-4, he's kind of that undersized DN that – and kind of translate the play linebacker or again put his hand down in the dirt and rush in the four three he's the uh strong side Sam. yeah the strong side guy pretty much he kind of like the uh hide behind the line the lineman and just scrapes to the ball first one to the uh, ball nose for the ball 
that type of guy. So, real, yeah, real fast. Perfect example of a will in this draft is Jeremiah Wuzukormo. Yep. The dude mm-hmm. flies around. Yep. Absolutely yes, perfect. That is the will. Now, everybody, we have arrived to our mock draft version 2.0 with fan yeah. submissions. So, with the first overall pick, let's go with Michael Reed. He's going to be making the pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do we even need to say it at this no. point? No, well, not according to Chris Sims. Oh, yeah, well, Chris <laughs> Sims. Remember, you can't spell Christopher without CTE. We're going number one overall. Jacksonville Jaguars are taking Sunshine Trevor Lawrence. It's obvious. He's been the golden boy for years. That's just, yep. that's it. And just so anybody doesn't know, Chris Sims just came out today and said he was making a case for why Wilson should be drafted over Lawrence, number one overall. Ask now, Thor about it. So let's go to our number two overall pick, which will be from our fan and Scott Hartley. Let's see what Scott has to say. Thanks for having me on Mock Draft 2.0. Well, with the second pick in the draft, the New York Jets select Mac Jones, quarterback. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. They're going to select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. We all know this is the pick. It's been the pick for a long, long time. The Jets get a deep threat quarterback, Pat, who can play off play action, looks to be their future franchise, tons of upside, looks like he'll be a day one starter, obviously, in the NFL, and they get their guy for the future. Thanks for having me on, guys. Bye. All right, we just heard from Scott Hartley. He took Zach Wilson, number two overall to the New York Jets. Fantastic selection yep. by them. Now let's move on to San Francisco 49ers being selected this, by yours truly. This is where the draft starts. I've said it. I did a I did a breakdown of Justin Fields about a month ago. I felt San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan was the perfect spot for him at on number 12. They knew who they were getting when they traded up in Justin Fields. He, Kyle Shanahan's offensive scheme will make it so much easier for Justin Fields. We saw with that RG3 style offense in 2012 where he was able to hit that play action and get it to the wide receivers in open lanes. That's what's going to happen for him in San Francisco. Plus, he's got Trent Williams blocking his blind side along with George Kittle at tight end. Absolute slam dunk for the San Francisco 49ers getting their quarterback of the future. <laughs> now, moving be. on to number four, the Atlanta Falcons are selecting by Michael Hall. What are we going with, brother? Um, In the mock draft, I'm going to have them taking Kyle Pitts at number four. In the real life, I do think they're going to trade out the pick. Yeah. But for this, uh, we didn't do any trades. So I have them taking Kyle Pitts. Obviously, Kyle Pitts, outside of Trevor Lawrence, might be the best prospect in this draft. Uh, he's versatile. You can line him, up, line him up at tight end on the end of the line of scrimmage. You can split him out, kind of that Travis Kelsey, like the Y position, like in the slot. You can play the outside as well. Dude was a quarterback. He wanted to. Yeah, hey, literally, he could probably <laughs> he could probably coach the team as well. Who knows? But yeah, the dude's a freaking nature, and maybe even a surefire Hall of Famer at this one because dude is just a ball. Imagine, imagine an offense with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts. That's it might take him back to the uh, Julio Jones. Who's the second guy? Roddy, Roddy White, White. Yep. and Tony Gonzalez days when they were like almost made to the Super Bowl. Arthur Smith is the actual success, dude. Yeah. Now the fifth you overall say he pick. Knows how to Build a team. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't get it. Now with the fifth overall for Cincinnati, Reed is making the selection. Are they going left tackle? Reed, what, are the, what is Cincinnati doing here? Cincinnati should definitely go left tackle, in my opinion, but they're not going to here. They're going to end up listening to their franchise quarterback who has been campaigning for the Cincinnati Bengals to take his good friend, former college teammate, Jamar Chase, and I don't blame him. Jamar Chase is fantastic. He would make a fantastic duo out there with T. Higgins. Jamar Chase, a freak of nature. We saw that from his pro day. We put on the film. The guy is just absolutely fantastic. Him sitting out a year doesn't worry me at all because he's just that good. Yeah. Um, so I think Joe Burrow, he's going to have another year where he's running for his life, but it's deep offensive tackle class. You can take, you can take <laughs> an offensive tackle that you can get to start early on in round two. They're going to go Jamar Chase and just get an absolute stud. Yeah, that's a great selection. Now let's go to Tony Franchise for the fan submission for the sixth overall pick for the Miami Dolphins. What's going on, fellas? And with the sixth pick in the Burgundy and Gold podcast, Mock Draft 2.0, the Miami Dolphins select Pene Suele, left tackle out of University of Oregon. You know, you have two or two longer there. You picked up Will Fuller over the offseason, and you still have Devontae Parker. You know, let's protect the quarterback. 
Get somebody in there for that. So, Pene Suele, left tackle, going to the Miami Dolphins. All right. Thank you so much, Tony. He select Pene Sewell, the offensive tackle, going to the Miami Dolphins, getting the blindside help. Uh, not blindside, but getting the left tackle help for Tua Tagovailoa, their quarterback. Great selection. Now we're moving on to Detroit at number seven, selected by me. We, we heard from the Dan Campbell when he was hired. He wants guys that want to bite off kneecaps, right, or just do anything, <laughs> just warriors. Well, they're getting their selection seventh overall. Micah Parsons going to them, establishing that culture, building that defense from the ground up. They get their middle linebacker of the future. Detroit, with all that offense in that division, Minnesota and Green Bay, they need some great defensive help, and Micah Parsons will be the first foundation, that first brick being laid for a dominant defense in Detroit. Now moving on to Carolina, but who Hall has the pick. What is Carolina doing here? Carolina just acquired Sam Darnold. They already have Robbie Anderson. They have DJ Moore. They have Christian McCaffrey coming back off the injury. So why not give Sam Darnold another weapon? I'm got them picking Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. This is a guy that is a burner. He can play on the outside. He would pair well going with uh, Robbie Anderson as well or DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. He can work out the slot, which will be a huge, huge, huge mismatch Mismatch coming cover, anybody covering him. They just lost Carter Samuel, who was like dominating the slot for them last year. So perfect. it would make perfect sense for them to draft Devontae Smith and to give Sam Darnold all the weapons he can uh, have and yeah. desire. Yeah, if he screws up, that's on him. Now moving on <laughs> to Denver, who Michael Reed has. Uh, what are they doing here? Are they going? What are, are they going tackle? Rashawn Slater, maybe? No, the Denver Broncos are going to finally get some competition for Drew Locke. They're going to take Mac Jones, who apparently a lot of the NFL is higher on than a lot of the media. Mac Jones can come <laughs> in there. He can compete. Will he be that good? I don't know. There's rumors of him going third. Is that a smokescreen? Nobody's really sure, but I do know that the Alabama wide receivers apparently like them better than Tua Vailoa. So what does that tell you? Mac Jones is fantastic this past year. Um, I think you put him out there, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Font, KJ Hamler, this offense has a potential to be explosive there's rumors that Elway and them had a trade in place to get Matthew Stafford before they're outbid by the Rams so he's obviously wants a quarterback and here he goes ahead and he gets somebody else to uh, possibly fail for him (laughs) (laughs) now speaking of fail let's move on to the 10th overall pick in the Dallas overrateds who we have a fan selection from Rio if you guys haven't already Rio Dallas's pick go subscribe to his (laughs) podcast rambling with Rio it's a great one he's off the cuff absolutely love it let's hear who he has Dallas taking what's going on fellas it's Rio and I'll be picking for dumbass Dallas at selection 10 easy pick you bring in Dan Quinn, the defensive mastermind to run your defense. You get a defensive player. Best one on the board for me. Patrick Sertain the second, Alabama. Nothing to say there. Long, rangy, baller. Hate to see him going to Dallas, but that's the pick. Y'all keep killing it. All right. Thank you so much, Rio. He selected Patrick Sertain going to Dallas, getting their much-needed defensive help, pairing up with uh, Diggs from last year, their first-round selection. Now, moving on to the next pick, staying in the NFC East, the New York Giants are going to be selecting cornerbacks back-to-back. They're going to select J.C. Horn, who is most likely the probably the best cornerback in this draft class. Just my personal opinion. That but was the they, Giants, right? Obviously, they have a great defense already. They are going to get even better Dude. at this point, adding J.C. Horn, who can lock Imagine. down one side of the field with all these wide receivers in this NFC East. You know, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, then adding in Dallas with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. You're going to need some good good guys to cover on the outside. Giants go out and get it. Imagine imagine him with James Bradbury. who had a fantastic season last year and a Dory Jackson. They, they just eliminated Dallas's offense right there. Yep. <laughs> now moving on to the next pick and staying in the NFC East again, Michael Hall. What is Philly doing here? Well, um, they're going to give, again, same kind of concept as Carolina with Sam Darnold. They're going to give Jalen Hurts all the chances to succeed in Philly. The way you do that is put more weapons around them. They went wide receiver last year in the first round. They're going to repeat it again and get the guy that potentially could have won the Heisman from Devontae Smith if he now got injured, Jalen Waddle, Alabama wide receiver. 
Yeah, uh, we did yeah. our mock draft two weeks ago, and that's what we had Jalen Waddle go. And it just seems like a great, a great. It's one fit. of those things that just makes sense. Yes. Yep. and it sucks. Yeah. So, now, yeah, speaking of making sense, the next pick is the L.A. Chargers. Michael Reed, what are they doing? I feel like so far I've gotten the two easiest picks in the draft. This one, if this falls this way, I think yeah. that it's a no-brainer that the Chargers they have good receivers. Uh, I think that they need to protect Justin Herbert. They have a need at offensive tackle. They're going to go Rayshon Slater, who some people say is the best offensive tackle in this draft. Yeah. Uh, he's he can play offensive tackle. If he doesn't pan out there, he can play guard. The guy looks like a nerd, just like Tevin Jenkins, but he can play. And boy, is that guy a man in the weight room, brother? I'm going Rayshon Slater. Yeah, it's a great selection. For <laughs> that the was Chargers. a good wrestling promo, too, though. It was, it, was. it was. Now let's move on to the 14th pick, which is Minnesota, which is done by Mark Baxter. Let's see what Mark has Minnesota doing. What's up, fellas? Pretty new listener here. Appreciate the opportunity. Love the podcast. Without further ado, with the 14th pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, Minnesota Vikings select Pay D-Line, Michigan. Man has crazy bursts off the line and some quality interior pass rush moves. They get a good one with this. All right. We just heard from Mark Baxter. Thank you, sir. He had picked Quidi Pay, the pass rusher going to Minnesota. Freak they, athlete. Dude, yeah. they, they need to get their defense up and running. You know, they need to get back to normal because they've turned into offensive heavy. Mike Zimmer being a defensive-minded coach, that would make a lot of sense. Now, let's move on to the 15th pick. The New England Patriots, they're going to be selecting quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. They're able to pair him up with Cam Newton, who I have said his running style is very similar to Cam Newton running through people, has a cannon of an arm. He can teach Cam and and Cam can groom him, maybe possibly starting this season, but most likely starting next year. I think that's a shoe in perfect fit for New England. Great fucking pick. Sorry. No, you're fine. Now let's move on to Hall, who has Arizona. What is Arizona going to do here, Hall? Yeah, uh, we had Austin Gale on earlier in the episode, and I asked him about who might possibly slide down the draft board. A lot of people are high on Caleb Farley. Arizona just lost Patrick Peterson to uh, Minnesota, funny enough. And why not replace him with a guy like Caleb Farley, who, again, like Reed said earlier, if his back injuries kind of subside and he can stay healthy, to steal the draft right there at that uh, position, which is what sixteen, yeah. Yep. So great value pick for uh, Arizona. They get their hopefully their guy going forward to replace Patrick Peterson, Caleb Farley, VTech cornerback. Now let's move on to the seventeenth overall pick, which is the Las Vegas Raiders. Every mock draft I do, I see Michael Parsons going right here to seventeen and falling right before us. Reed, what is Las Vegas doing? What? How are they going to kill our hopes today? the Raiders yeah the Raiders are going to kill our hope they are usually the Raiders will take somebody random like they'll take like a Gary and Conley a Damon Arnett (laughs) uh Darius Hayward Bay uh uh what's his face from Clemson the pass they took at number four yeah but this year they are going to they are they are going to crush our hopes and dreams (laughs) and then that'd be be cool if they took Pharrell though the guy doesn't doesn't age he doesn't age at all (laughs) google it um, we are going to have the Las Vegas Raiders taking offensive tackle Christian Darisol. They just traded right tackle Trent Brown back to the New England Patriots. They need an offensive tackle. They need to see. They need to protect Derek Carr if they want to win. If they even like Derek Carr, maybe they want to get hurt. I don't know. They're taking <laughs> Christian Darisol here. Uh, I would absolutely hate that, but it would make a lot of sense for them. Now moving on to the 18th overall pick, the Miami Dolphins. We get to hear from BK. Let's hear what Burger King picks for Miami. <laughs> With the 18th overall pick, the Miami Dolphins select Najee Harris, running back, Alabama. With the- <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much, BK. He select Najee Harris going to Miami, which is a great selection for yeah. them. They're just adding tools to their so offense. So many picks, they can take what, yeah, they can do that. They can afford to. Absolutely. But here we go, baby. Number 19 overall. We all joined together for this one. We all put our minds together what we should do here in this position. We came up with the Washington football team taking number 19 overall. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. In the new age NFL, offenses want to spread you out. They want to get you thin and pass the ball on you. So having somebody like Jeremiah would absolutely be pivotal 
for defenses, especially Washington's, and being able to match up with those wide receivers in the slot or and tight ends. Evan he can, Ingram. Yeah, he can guys. line up anywhere, and he, dude, I'm telling you, he stops those guys in their tracks. That doesn't even include what he can do inside the box right. with his big hitting mentality and being a sure tackler. Obviously, he's a little undersized, but look at Darius Leonard in Indianapolis. Perfect fit for Washington. They get their linebacker. They can really hang their hat on. He's my little Nubian prince. Got some emails from him. (laughs) Let's move to 20th overall, which is Chicago being selected by Hall. What are they doing at number 20, Hall? Oh, man. At number 20, the Chicago Bears. You're going to notice the theme of my mock draft here, guys. They need a guy to go opposite of Allen Robinson. A lot of talk about Anthony Miller being on the trade block. I project him to be possibly traded during the draft night, whether it's day one, day two, whatever it is. So why not give a guy to go pair up against uh, Allen Robinson? Also, who's on the franchise tag? Might not might need a replacement long term. They go Rashad Bateman, Kyle's favorite player in the draft. Rashad <laughs> Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. Yeah, I, I would just be happy Washington doesn't select him at 19. I've been beating that drum forever. <laughs> a great selection from Chicago. Now let's move on to Reed with the 21st overall, which is Indianapolis. Who is the Colts going to take, Reed? Well, you know, Indy has a, a pretty big problem right now, and that is that stalwart left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, is done. He's retired. He called it quits. They need a left tackle. They need to bring somebody in here. This is going to be my third straight offensive tackle. Some people say that this guy has to play guard, but if you watch his tape from this past year, his left tackle tape is pretty darn good. I'm going to go with left tackle. He's not going to play guard for the Colts. He's going to play tackle. Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. The guy has phenomenal tape from this past year, uh, and he's versatile. And I just think him and that, that big mover, that big Samoan dude right next to Quentin Nelson, that's, That's a nasty side. That's very nasty. Now moving to the 22nd overall, which is the Tennessee Titans, are selected by Todd from the Tay and Todd podcast. You can find Todd, them Todd, 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 all Todd. over iTunes. They're fantastic. Follow them on Twitter and for the pod. All right, now let's go to the 22nd overall. Who does Todd have the Tennessee Titans taking? With the 22nd pick, the Tennessee Titans select Jamin Davis, linebacker from Kentucky. You pair him up with Jayon Brown, their highest-rated linebacker. And now you've got two scout linebackers in the middle of that defense. Offensively, they were ranked third. Defensively, 28th. So you build that defense and have two guys who can defend the tight ends and the running backs can stop the run. Jamin Davis and strengthen your defense. Thank you so much to Todd from the Tay and Todd podcast. He had the Tennessee Titans taking Jamin Davis, the linebacker. Good pick. Fantastic pick for them from Kentucky. That is a great pick for them. Makes a lot of sense. Now moving on to the Jets. Who are the Jets going to do with their second pick in this draft in the first round? I have them selecting Tevin Jenkins. Ooh, I Last love this year, pick. they got Makai Becton as a left tackle. This year, they're going to get Tevin Jenkins at right tackle, making sure that Zach Wilson is standing in between those two towers and that he can't get blitzed and being able to run the ball effectively off of the right side, which is very necessary for a right tackle to be able to do in, in the modern NFL great fit for the New York Jets getting Tevin Jenkins. Now moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are they doing here, Hall? Are they going wide receiver? Are they going linebacker? What are they doing? Well, as everyone knows, Pittsburgh is known for taking a linebacker or some type of defensive player in the first round majority of the time. But again, you're going to notice a, a theme in my mock draft here. I'm going offensive heavy on every position pretty much. So for Pittsburgh, them losing James Conner to Arizona Cardinals. I actually just signed them today. Mm-hmm. They've been last in rushing the ball over the past two years. They've been absolutely horrible. Dreadful. So I'm, I am I went back and forth with this one because I love Travis Etienne from Clemson. I have a huge, huge man crush on Javante Williams from North Carolina. Me too. So I went with my man crush, Javante Williams. Sorry, Travis Etienne. That would be you so didn't make the pick. cut. And I think that Javante Williams in that offense would be a ball. Wait for it. That would be. That really would be a perfect fit for them. Now moving on to Jacksonville with their second selection in this first round. Reed, what are they going to do? Now, usually I I would I would say early and often the Jaguars should go ahead and help their their 
franchise quarterback, but they have so many picks in the top 100, and it's such a deep draft at, at some of those positions. Then go offensive tackle a little bit later. They did a good job of addressing their secondary this offseason. You know, Shaq Griffin, uh, Rayshon Jenkins, still have a need at free safety. They're going to get the best one in the draft. Trayvon Morig is going to be going out there wow. to Jacksonville, and they still have some picks to mess around with in the next round. Yeah, that just a, that's a great fit for them. It really is. Now, moving on to the 26th overall pick. This is going to be selected by one of our great, great fans in BR. Let's see who he has the, my goodness, Cleveland taking in the first round. With the 26th pick in the draft, the Cleveland Browns select Aziz Ojulari Edge out of University of Georgia. I uh, wanted to go ahead with a corner in this pick. I wanted to give him some on defense. I wanted a corner and go opposite Denzel Ward. Next best guy was probably Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, but ultimately I thought Ojulari was probably the better prospect, number one edge guy, uh, in my opinion, and thought he'd be a pretty good duo with Miles Garrett on that defense. Uh, he's a pretty twitch-up guy, not the not the biggest or most length, but uh, has a nice arsenal, I think, and dropping coverage as well, and probably be moved around as a little bit of a hybrid player. Plus, I mean, we all Thank know. you so much, BR, for your selection with Aziz Ojulari going to the Good Cleveland pick. Browns. Another freak. Another freak going and adding with Miles Garrett. Obviously, he just signed Jadavion Clowney, but you can never have too many pass rushers, especially the interior defensive line. They are going to need that help. That's a great pick for them. Now, staying inside that AFC North, let's go with the Baltimore Ravens. I have them selecting Kadarius Toney. Going to them is a perfect fit for them. They, obviously, they've been out on all these wide receivers in free agency, but Kadarius Tony can line up anywhere on the field. And if you're telling me that he's going to be lining up behind Lamar Jackson in some option packages and uh, being able to leak out of the backfield, that is going to help their offense immensely, especially given the fact that they have Mark Andrews. Trying to get eyes off of him, what's the better way to do that? Use Kadarius Tony all over the field motion, keeping his eyes off of Mark Andrews and the quarterback. Absolutely love that selection. Yes. Now, moving on next to Hall's selection with the New Orleans Saints. Are they going quarterback? No, they have all the faith in Jameis. I wanted to draft him a wide receiver, but once again, Kadarius Toney was taken from me one pick too early. So, with them losing, um, uh, what's the dude? Janoris Jenkins from the yep. Saints. They're losing him. Um, they already have a stud cornerback in Marcus uh, Lattimore. Marcus so why not go out and get another potential stud cornerback and Greg Newsom the second from Northwestern. This is a guy that's been a high riser since 2019, uh, got on the people's radar and had a great year in 2020. And I think can be a great <clears throat> second corner opposite Lattimore. Yeah. And I, I'm all yeah. say this right now. That's a great selection, but this next pick I think is probably one of the better ones uh, uh, we've done yet on these mocks. Now let's go to green Bay with their selection read. Well, Green Bay, as everybody knows, really disappointed their fans last year by, by taking a quarterback in round one and then not addressing wide receiver, which was kind of silly of them. They're going to get their guy. Aaron Rodgers is going to get another stud big boy out there. They need to, all the help they can right now to score more points because as good as their offense is, they just need to score more to beat the team like Tampa or somebody, you know, in the playoffs. So we're, they're going to go out there and get another a big, fast wide receiver to pair with Devontae Adams, and that is Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. He would fit fantastic. Aaron Rodgers would love him. When Jordan Love eventually comes in 12 years down the road, he was going <laughs> to love him. Everybody's going to love him. Green Bay is going to love him. I'm going to love him. You're going to love him. God's going to love him. My parents love him. I think that my dog likes him better than me. It's, you know, perfect. <laughs> just fit. makes sense. <laughs> and that's a great selection. Now, moving on to our next pick, which is the Buffalo Bills. With our last fan pick, let's go to George Carmi, who we just had on. Let's see who George has Buffalo taking. What's up, guys? It's George Carmi from FBC Washington, and I'm here to represent the Buffalo Bills in the Burgundy Zone mock draft. And with the 30th overall selection, the Bills select Asante Samuel Jr., Florida State cornerback. With the loss of Josh Norman, the Bills are at a deficit corner. They already have the number two overall offense in the league. They basically are in an arms race against the New England Patriots and the New York Jets, who just added Corey Davis, Kendrick Bourne, and Nelson Aguilar to the division. So with Asante Samuel sliding in, they have a nice tandem in Buffalo. They should be able to defend themselves and defend the East. Bills Mafia, baby. This All right. Thank you so much, George, with selecting Asante Samuel Jr. going to the Buffalo Bills. 
They Good. next to Tredavious White, that would be sick yeah. for the Buffalo Bills, just revamping that defense even more. Now the next pick is for Kansas City, the thirty-first pick in the first round. They lost almost all. They almost like the Raiders. They imploded their offensive line, just shipping everyone out. Metro Schwartz. They had uh, what's his face, uh, Eric Fisher, leave as well. I have them picking with the thirty-first pick, Samuel Cosme, the left tackle out of Texas. This gives Pat Mahomes a little bit extra help. It made sense why Kansas City was doing this because they were eyeing offensive line already, knowing how heavy of a draft this is with tackle. They go and get their tackle before they can lose out on one in the second round. Samuel Cosme to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, moving on to the last pick in our mock draft 2.0. Mr. Hall is going to make the selection for Tampa Bay. What are they doing? Well, as everyone knows, they literally brought back every single player from their Super Bowl team last year, minus Antonio Brown, who most likely might be back next year too. Who knows? But uh, with a guy like Indomitian Sue getting up there in age, they're going to need a lot of rotational players to kind of relieve him, make him kind of a uh, not really situational guy because he can still do it at a pretty high level, but looking for looking towards the future. This not being a really, really deep, defensive tackle draft they're going to get the best one and maybe the only good one out of this draft that would be Christian Barrymore from Alabama and I think that he can come in be a day one contributor in a rotation and possibly make a difference on that defensive line yeah and that's a great selection thank you everyone for joining us for our mock draft version 2.0 gearing up for this fantastic draft that we all love thank you to George thank you to BR thank you to uh, Tay from Tay and Todd's Thank you to BK, especially, with his fantastic uh, pick. Rio, Mark Baxter, to um, uh, Tony Franchise, Scott Hartley. Thank you guys so much for all your help and your support. We really appreciate it. We will be back on Thursday with you guys, featuring a very special guest. You're not going to want to miss it. All right, everybody. I'm Kyle. I'm Hall. And uh, follow me at Funny Reed. (laughs) <laughs> all right we'll catch you guys on thursday ready watching the football bread, hey little breadcrumb trail there what's up everyone this is kyle from the burgundy zone we are releasing our own merch to support the show if you want to rock the burgundy zone logo or you want to see reed's face on your shirt we got it we're starting with t-shirts hoodies and zip up so if you're a fan of the show make sure you snag one before they are gone check out the link in our bio on instagram or you can find the link in the description of the video. Thanks again for all your support. Until next time.